I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome on into a new edition of the Cougar Tracks podcast coming to you from Lawrence, Kansas, as BYU falls to the Jayhawks 38 to 27 in their Big 12 debut. I'm Mitch Harper, your BYU insider for KSL Sports. It was a interesting day in Lawrence. It was overcast skies, kind of a dreary feel and the dreariness kind of carried over to BYU's team today as they just never could Get their footing to make you feel like they were clearly the better team. Kansas was the better football team, and, and they won by 11 points. So it was a tough spot for BYU. I thought that coughed up the ball far too often, and we'll get to all of that here in the breakdown as I give my post-game thoughts here on the podcast. You can follow the show on any podcasting platform. Download the KSL Sports app. Follow me on X, Instagram, at Mitch underscore Harper. And away we go. Turnovers were costly for BYU. You give up two turnovers that result in defensive touchdowns for Kansas. You're not going to win many ball games. I mean, think about those those two possessions. In a game where you lose by 11, you could point to that being the deciding factor for why BYU lost. But uh, honestly, I, I felt like in this game... Kansas's offense was far more potent than I gave them credit for. Look, the defense for BYU did as much as they could, but ultimately when the injuries started to mount up, they started to wither away, and Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal, Luke Grimm, who's been a little bit banged up for Kansas, they took over and, and dominated this game. And Kansas you know, might be a team that I know I've slept on a little bit. I, I thought they were a good team. I don't know if they thought of them as maybe a Big 12 title contender, but with how weak the Big 12 is this year, maybe there's a path to Kansas being in the Big 12 title game this season. It's definitely an interesting thought as Jalen Daniels finished 14 of 19, 130 yards through the air, three touchdowns. He had 54 rushing yards as well. BYU did get to him once with a sack. That was Ben Bywater. Keaton Slovis... On the opposite side, 30 of 51, 357 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. 
let me just tell you this. If BYU is in the business of having Keaton Slovis throw 50 attempts a game, they're not going to win many ball games. BYU was far, just far too one-dimensional. They had no other options. And it's interesting, too. LJ Martin, obviously he gets the start. 28 yards for LJ. Deion Smith played as well. Aiden Robbins didn't make the trip. There was no discussion about his injury in the first, you know, three weeks or so, non-conference play. Doesn't get any action against Arkansas. Doesn't even make the trip this week. It'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with Aiden Robbins. If we ever see him play, is he just done for the year? What's going to happen with Aiden? But BYU's ground attack was non-existent, and it doesn't help matters when the offensive line is suffering injuries. Waylon Lapuaho suffered what appeared to be a, an elbow or something on his arm, a left arm. He was in a sling at game's end. Kingsley Suamataia left the game in the second half after that first drive in the third quarter. Looked like a right thigh somewhere in that area, his right leg. He came back at the end of the game. But once Kingsley was out, once Waylon Lapuaho was out, BYU was struggling. They were reeling. I mean, you saw in situations when Kingsley went out and Waylon was out, they brought in Tava Taase, the, the tight end, is basically a six blocker to help the cause because BYU's offense line is just struggling. Caleb Etienne didn't get the start today. Braden Kimes started at right tackle. They've just underperformed, and it was clearly on display Again, and look, LJ Martin's a freshman, and he's been far way ahead of the curve from what you would expect from a freshman. And he still had some moments where he got you a tough yard on a fourth and one in the first half. He made some tough plays, but uh, if he doesn't have the holes to operate, there's just not going to be much room to grow. And you also wonder, too, what LJ experienced with Kansas was that the issues for Aiden? Robbins as well, who's apparently nursing an injury at the moment. They were a one-dimensional team. BYU finished with nine rushing yards. Some of that factors in, of course, the the sacks. At the end of the game, Keaton Slovis takes one final sack on the final offensive series. He was limping a little bit. He said in the postgame that he's okay, got his foot stepped on, but he's all right. But something to monitor, I think, for sure, because whenever that happens, I mean, how many times have we heard in post games where, yeah, it's totally fine, totally good, just precautionary, and then it doesn't become precautionary. So definitely something to monitor moving forward. I just thought, though, BYU was not playing fast. Kansas played with more speed, more explosion. I thought Kansas' secondary was outstanding. Kobe Bryant, Kenny Logan Jr., I thought they were legit. I thought that was one of the best secondaries in the Big 12. It, look, there, they, that was always viewed as a strength for this Kansas defense that went over, uh, took, undertook a, a revamped front seven, but the back end of the defense was always viewed as a strength for that group, and they definitely were impressive on the day. Uh, I mean, opening play of the third quarter, nearly a pick six, and then two plays later, a pass intended for Keaton for for Isaac Rex, bobbles around, ends up in the hands of Kenny Logan, and he picks sixes it, and BYU just never recovered from there. And the offense of Kansas is so unique. It's so, so many different looks, so many formations. And there were times, too, Kansas 
shot themselves in the foot with some false start penalties and allowing them to to kick a rare punt for once on the season. It was interesting, too, in the postgame, Lance Leipold admitted that they kind of held back Jalen Daniels from running the football much for the first two weeks in an effort to get him ready for conference play. thought that was kind of noteworthy that he admitted that coming into after the game on Saturday after Kansas defeated BYU 38-27. to I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Another big takeaway from that game is that I felt BYU got a not a harsh reality but a a glimpse into how much of a gauntlet this league is going to be this schedule this year and you know to face a ninth place preseason pick and to have that sort of grind and battle it was a big game and there was a good atmosphere uh, around it but BYU's in for a gauntlet in this big 12 it's a weaker league this year than it's been in years past but still, by BYU standards, it's going to be every single week, it is going to be a tough sled to try to get some wins. And they've got to find answers. And I think also, too, you've got to find answers with the administrative penalties. You can't be having situations where you've got a three-minute injury, TV timeout. You come back and then have to burn another timeout. How many times this year has BYU had just the most head-scratching timeouts that you've ever seen? That timeout on Saturday, week one, they called a timeout before running a play on th- in the third quarter to open the second half. Uh, you just can't do those sort of things. They've been disjointed all year where there's wh- – what's going on with the communication? There, that's got to be fixed. And maybe you could chalk that up to, okay, second and third team guys are suddenly in and they're not used to being on the field and that's what's causing the confusion. But what about the illegal touching penalties too? I mean, that was another issue once again for BYU that negated another big Isaac Rex grab. BYU's got to get those sort of things fixed. Those are inexcusable. They have to be fixed. Kalani Satake noted that he was kind of blown away by that illegal touching penalty on Saturday, you know, made sure that the refs, it was good, but that it still got called. He was kind of floored by that one. But still, it's inexcusable. It cannot happen anymore. It just continues to creep up far too often. This team is making too many head-scratching mistakes, and you can't have that going forward, especially in league play. I'll I'll admit, too, I think with this game, I think when you look back at it, and look, back in the summertime, I thought this BYU team had a chance to go 5-0 out of the gates. Clearly, that's not going to happen. At best, they're going to be 3-2. Not bad. But I think... When you look at it, wouldn't you rather have had 
the win last week here at Kansas instead of the win at Arkansas. Look, it played out the way it did. It is what it is, and that Arkansas win was a memorable one. But honestly, that was a win, and that was my argument going into that Arkansas game all along was that there really wasn't much on the line in that game. BYU is not looking as like a college football playoff team or a New Year's Six team and had no impact on the, on the Big 12 conference race. It really wasn't a game that, you know, you need to win. I would have rather said today the Kansas game was the must win. That's the one you got to deliver. Cougar fans got to remember, too, the season's not lost. This isn't like independence where you suddenly go, oh, raise my hand, season's over, BYU's off to the toilet bowl or whatever bowl they game they're going. You pick up some wins. You get a win over Cincinnati. Maybe you pull an upset against TCU, pull an upset against Texas Tech, whatever it may be. Suddenly you're talking about being a you know, 7-8 win team and you're going to a bowl game and a bowl game against a Power 5 team. So you've got to remember that. Keep that in focus here because I think Cougar fans are just wired. One loss, oop, season's done. This team was never contending for the college football playoff. They were never contending for New Year's Six. We knew that. If you get to six or seven wins, it's a huge celebratory deal. And even Lance Leipold said, this BYU team will, will knock off some folks in the Big 12. And I agree with that too. But they got to stay healthy, and the depth is being tested. Think about these injuries. I already mentioned Lapuaho. Kingsley's going to be okay. At least that's what it feels like. He, he did come back, but we'll see how it goes. Parker Kingston, out. Cody Epps, out. Cody Epps was expected to play. He warmed up, didn't go. Aiden Robbins, who knows what happens with him. Keaton Slovis got a little bit nicked up. Got to make sure he gets okay. Ben Bywater, out. You heard in the, in the postgame, A.J. Vongvachon, when asked about how big of a change was that losing Ben, I mean, you could tell in his body language. It's a big loss to that defense to, to lose Ben. So suddenly the depth's being tested. Are they able to withstand that and still carve out wins? That's going to be the challenge in front of them. they got to bounce back quick because it's a short week with Cincinnati, who was basically shut down against Oklahoma. A nice win for the Sooners. Because their defense shined. Cincinnati only had two field goals on the win. Or the loss, excuse me. But it's a home opener in Big 12 play. you got to come out and go win that game. If you want to go to a bowl game, you have to win that Cincinnati game. It's going to be a big test. I thought the pregame atmosphere in Lawrence was kind of subdued. I didn't feel like there was much mingling between BYU and Kansas fans. I had one BYU fan tell me, it feels like Kansas fans don't know how to react to us. He also went to the Arkansas game last week and said Arkansas fans just basically invited every BYU fan to the tailgates and and they just welcomed them with open arms. Whereas Kansas fans was like, what do we do with BYU fans? Do we invite them to the tailgate? Do they? Drink? What do we do with them? Look, it's a filling out process. and But all in all, I thought it was a pretty fun game, and I thought it was, you know, good football. And I think, you know, what was on display on Saturday is kind of what the Big 12 is going to be built on, right? It's a new Big 12, and it's going to be two teams in a lot of matchups where, yeah, no one's looking at them as national title contenders, maybe in the 12-team playoff era, maybe. But just going to be good football where you go, who's going to win? I don't know. It could be toss-up any given week. And that's kind of what you want. You know, there was moments where BYU's in the lead at halftime, and then Kansas pulls away. But 
that's kind of the new Big 12. And I think that's just kind of the style of play it's going to be. BYU missed out on an, on an opportunity, though. There's no doubt about that. I mean, to, to come out of the gates, because if you would have won that game, you could have really drawn up a path to maybe 7-0 and start because TCU's beatable. They're, they're not invincible by any means. I think, you know, what happened in week one against Colorado, you could expect that to happen because they knew nothing about Colorado. They kind of struggled with Nichols. Texas Tech, they lost to West Virginia. There was a path, and you let it slip away. It was a missed opportunity by BYU to jump out and really issue a statement in Big 12 conference play. But I had a good time in Lawrence. Press box was nice. The food was good. I, I went to 23rd Street Brewery on Friday night. Excellent spot. You got to go there. I had it recommended by one of the local radio stations that I was on. It was a Topeka station. They recommended it. It was outstanding, and they catered the food up in the press box. They had some brats, some hot dogs. It was great stuff. So that was a good experience, and it's just fun to kind of interact with people you're going to see more of too. I had to remind myself too that this isn't the only time we as in the media are going to cover a BYU-Kansas game. We're going to be back here again. you know. And that's kind of the fun thing, too, is typically you go to Arkansas last week and it's like, well, once in a lifetime, see you later, Fayetteville, never coming again. Uh, whereas we'll be back in Lawrence again, and that's going to be fun. It was a good college town. It's old. I mean, the, the stadium absolutely needs a facelift, and they're going to be getting in that beginning in 2025. But uh, that stadium is old, 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 old. It desperately needs... A facelift. The press box was pretty nice, though. Saw Allen Fieldhouse, historic gym. Didn't get a walk in. I was I walked around all the doors. They were they're all locked. I was hoping for one that was open to sneak in there and kind of see it in person because what great history there at Allen Fieldhouse. But BYU's chances of remaining undefeated are officially history as the Cougars fall to three and one on the season, zero and one in Big Twelve play, and. The task is in front of them to get that first Big 12 win next Friday against the Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm going to wrap this one up a little bit shorter than usual. We'll have more on the Cougar Tracks podcast and kslsports.com. I'm going to get to bed first and 12, taking place from 10 to noon tomorrow. And then more coverage throughout the week as we get you ready for BYU and Cincinnati next week. So I'll talk to you next time here on the Cougar Tracks podcast, and it's powered by kslsports.com. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.